I'm Patricia Grabarek, and I'm Katina Sawyer, and welcome to the Worker Being Podcast. Today, Patricia has an article for us. I'm very excited to hear what you have selected as our topic for the day. So why don't you give us a high-level overview of what we're going to talk about before we catch up a little bit. This article is about taking charge at work. So being proactive. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I got real excited about it. Taking charge. Um, I'm really bad at like idioms, so I'm not even going to try it. But there's like something about bulls and horns. I know that's one of them. Um, Take the bull by the horns. Yeah. Isn't that like taking charge? Or yeah, totally it off? is. Okay. It is. No, you're right. You're right. Okay. It was just like you got like 95% of it. So I was like wondering what part you thought you were missing. I, I just I knew that the bulls and horns were involved. I didn't know how they were <laughs> involved. <laughs> so thank you for giving that clarity. But um, basically, no this article is about taking charge at work and when it's not good for you and when it is good for you. Hmm. I think that this will be interesting because I feel like we're both take charge type people. And sometimes I have to like temper that. And I'm sure you've had to do that before, too, where like. Like, if I'm thinking back to, like, school, like, group projects or things, like, I always preferred to be, like, the leader of it um, yeah. as opposed to, like, a team member. So I'm curious, like, when when will this harm me? Well, basically, if you – I'm just going to give you a super high-level sneak peek. But okay. basically, if you, like, are really motivated, um, like, you like the work, you're excited about it, then do it, take charge – if you're okay. taking charge because no one else will step up, like, that's when you're going to suffer from it. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. Because, like, I will, I do remember, I don't know why I'm thinking of school so much because I probably have work <laughs> examples too. But I do remember taking a class where, like, literally no one in the class would ever participate. It was a philosophy class. And, like, Oof. the professor would ask the same question, like, eight different times over and over again and no one would say anything and then finally it would get to the point that I felt like it was so awkward that I'd be like all right I'll say something and then I would talk and then he would like talk for a little while more and then he would ask another question and then no one answered again and then he'd ask it again and like literally the whole class was just him trying to ask a question in 15 different ways to get somebody other than me to talk and then both of us just realizing no one was going to talk and then both of us just coming to the fact that like basically I was just going to be the one talking Oh my and gosh. that was the entire class. And then you probably felt drained afterwards, huh? I probably did. And then I found out from my one friend who was in the class because I was like, oh, my God, because we weren't friends at the time. I didn't know who she was. We became friends later. And I was like, oh, my God, we were in that class. Like, that class was so annoying to me. Like, I was the only one who talked. Why didn't you ever talk? And she was like, because we all knew if we just waited long enough, you would talk. And then we didn't have to. And I was like, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> it was a thing. Like, that was a strategy. And she was like, oh, yeah. Like, people in the class used to say, like, if you just wait long enough, that girl will talk. I'm like, oh, ah. Man. I can't believe it was, like, an actual They took advantage conspiracy. of your proactivity. I know. I was so mad. Rude. And I'm sure the teacher was probably like, really? Because like, honestly, like, you know, you don't want to just hear from the same person over and over again. Like, what's the point? Yeah, that's frustrating. I he should have called on teacher. people, to be honest. Yeah. Well, he wasn't because, taking yeah. charge. Uh-oh. It was his first class he ever taught. Oh, that's even sadder. <laughs> I know. I know. It was his first class he ever taught. So what are you going to do? He was a PhD you learn. student. You learn. It's okay. It's okay. Um, speaking of okay, 
How is your day? I don't know why I thought that <laughs> needed to rhyme. <laughs> well, I appreciate rhyme, so yay. <laughs> uh, my day has been good. It's been busy. I feel like that's just the theme, right? I'm sure like everyone's listening. They're yeah. like, okay, Patricia, we know it. We get it. You're busy. Uh, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I am. Uh, but it was, it's been a good day. Um, yeah, nothing too interesting to share. It is kind of an interesting week because at Cement, the like most of my company's Canadian, and yesterday was a Canadian holiday, so oh. it was a little bit of a quieter day, which was nice. So it kind of helped roll into this week a little bit better. And then all the Canadians are playing catch up today, and so then they weren't as busy. They weren't like bothering mm. everybody either as much. So it kind of like created a nice intro to the week um yeah i'll be curious to see what happens because next week's memorial day if when all the americans take off it'll be a same thing for them but i think there's more canadians so i have a feeling they're gonna have less of the uh reprieve for meetings that we had Hmm. yeah that makes sense wait but i'm so remiss on my canadian holidays what holiday was it do you know so it depends on what province you're in oh. which I didn't realize that was a thing so it's either Victoria Day or Patriots Day I think okay but the, everyone calls it May long weekend <laughs> so I don't know if that's because of the fact that it's, it's in May a different, yeah and it's a different holiday depending yeah. on where you are um but everyone calls it May long weekend so but all my just like so funny because it's like, like just a description. Yeah, like, I, know. I don't know. I just wasn't expecting that to be the name of it. <laughs> I don't know. Let's just call it May Long Weekend. I'm just sick of this whole thing. Let's just throw in the towel here. Yeah, that's really funny. Yeah, the only reason why I know the other two is because I have like the Canadian holidays on my, on my calendar, and it's like national. So it's National Patriots Day in Quebec. And the Victoria mm-hmm. Day, it says many provinces, so I don't know what that means. Um, <laughs> Everywhere other than Quebec, I guess. Ma- that's probably true. And then, again, casually, everyone's been calling it May Long Weekend. So any Canadians listening, if I totally mess that up, yeah, please let me know. <laughs> <laughs> we feel badly about this entire segment where we <laughs> basically don't know. Well, you know a lot more than I do. I didn't even know what day it was, but... Um, but yeah, that's interesting. I'll be curious to see how it goes on Memorial Day, which will be upcoming this Monday. So do they just like have certain offices like celebrate the holiday, but others don't? They do it by location. So like in the in the U.S., we get all the American holidays off. Canada, they get the, all the Canadian holidays off. We have employees in Australia, so they get Australian holidays. So it just depends on where you're located as to which holidays you get to have off. That's fun. Yeah. That's exciting. It's interesting. It's definitely different. Um, I'm, I had a couple of Canadian colleagues that I worked with that had the funny holidays I didn't know um, when I was at Infor, but I don't work with them enough to really, really know right. or see them in the same way. So now it's been interesting to see like the days they have off like they had. Um, so Canada had Good Friday off before Easter. And then mm. Australia had both Good Friday and Easter Monday off. So they wow. had a four-day weekend. Yeah. And they're like That's federal like holidays. That probably makes you feel like America is so rude. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I I actually asked a probably a pretty stupid question to some of my Canadian colleagues. But I was like, oh, is 
Canada very religious because it feels like that's a very religious weekend, right? Like it's specific to Christianity. And so I just was, I just didn't know. And they were like, no, not really. And I was like, oh, so (laughs) it's just an excuse or was it left over? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, So, yeah. But I guess, you know, in the U.S., like we already have Christmas off, which is a religious holiday from like a federal holiday perspective. Right. And we're realistically, we're supposed to have a separation, right, between church and state. So it kind of makes sense that we don't have like additional Easter holidays off. Very true. I agree with that sentiment. Um, That's interesting, though. All the holidays, all the holidays of the world. (laughs) And we have one upcoming as well. Yeah. What about you? How are you doing? I know you get to go on vacation soon. Yes. So I am doing well. Um, After we're done, I'm going to pack for my trip to Charleston. Um, I'm going to Charleston with some friends. Uh, We're driving tomorrow so it's like an eight hour drive so I'll be in the car most of the day tomorrow and then we're uh gonna be doing stuff in Charleston Thursday and Friday and over the weekend and then we'll drive back on Monday um so that'll be really nice I'm really excited about that uh it's the first time that we've taken time in a while to go do anything um so I have uh protected my Thursday and Friday I don't have any meetings um So I'm really excited about it. I think it'll be really nice. Uh, And I like Charleston. The last time I was there, I broke my feet. I'm not allowed to break feet again. So, um, so I, I really like Charleston. I've been there other times besides when I broke my feet. So it's not entirely cursed to me, but um, (laughs) uh, yeah, we're going to just like eat good food and walk around. And uh, my friend lives in a cool neighborhood that has, um, Apparently, the number one restaurant in Charleston is in her neighborhood. So we're going to go there. I'm excited. Um, Yeah, it's a Japanese place called Jackrabbit Philly. I feel a Japanese restaurant's a great option. So you have to let me know. Is there sushi? Yes. Um, It has like, definitely it has raw fish, but I don't think it has like a straight sushi menu. Mm -hmm. Um, But, like, anything that has to do with raw fish, I'm just, like, so happy. So, um, (laughs) which, oh, yeah, over the weekend, I don't know why I'm, like, putting this on the podcast. But for anyone else who likes raw (laughs) fish, maybe you would enjoy this. Um, (laughs) Over the weekend, I got this, like, amazing Italian. It's not going to sound good. But it was an Italian place, but they had, like, a salmon crudo, like Mm -hmm. a sashimi type. And it was salmon with this, like, red pepper sauce and roasted red peppers and, um, like, a few other, uh, like, artichokes and, like, other, like, marinated vegetables. And I was not expecting to love it so much, and I grew obsessed with it. And now, like, I must eat this again. I've had some Italian crudos before, and they're really good. I had one with tuna and it had burrata and it was Ooh. almost like a caprese with raw tuna. Yeah. Like, it was ridiculous. It was That's so awesome. Good. Yeah. I was really surprised. And maybe this will not sound like wild to other people that don't live in like stupid places. Like we live like DC and LA, but it was $12. <gasps> Wow, that's so cheap. I know. And it was huge. There was like 15 pieces of sashimi on it. I'm not joking you. Oh, my god! Like, gosh. I ate it as an entree. Like, it was my dinner. Wow, that is impressive. $12. I know. I was like, I bet you they're going to change the price on that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I, but I was like, I, 
I couldn't believe it. It came out and Brendan and I were like, what? Like it was like <laughs> this like miraculous thing. So I'm going to try to eat that as many times as I can until it inevitably goes away and they were becomes $24 or something because they realize that they should make it more expensive because people would definitely pay that. But anyway, I've had a <laughs> lot of good raw fish and I'm going to have good raw fish and then also other stuff. Barbecue. We're going to go to Lewis barbecue and Rodney Scott barbecue, which are very, very like there's like a chef's table about Rodney Scott. Um, so I'm like super excited. It'll just be nice and fun. And so well, I'm so excited yes. for you. That'll be awesome. Yes. Yeah. It'll be a good time. So that's what we're doing. It'll be fun. And in order for us to be able to make this journey, someone had to take charge in its planning. (laughs) (laughs) Good transition. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So I'm curious (laughs) what might have been the pros and cons for the person who so decided to do that. Yes. So I love that every time you try to make some creative transition, (laughs) it is always amusing. I'm always like waiting for it. Like, what's it going to be? What's the transition going to be? This one wasn't that good, but I've done better. You've definitely done better, but you still got there. You still got there. So that's the important part. Um, (laughs) Yes. Very true. So this article, um, it's called Two too proactive. Woof, try to say that way too fast. Too proactive <laughs> to switch off when taking charge drains resources and impairs detachment. And it was written by Congiano, Parker, and Uyang in 2021, so it's brand new, and it was published in the Journal of Occupational Health Psychology. Woot woot. That sounds awesome. Okay. So, let's talk about proactivity. What is it? Why should we care about it? Yeah. Proactivity. So we've talked about it before. I believe we talked about it before. Maybe I should have looked that up before I said that. Uh, But proactive work behavior is basically where you initiate some sort of future oriented action um, that is meant to change or improve a situation or yourself. Like it could be I'm proactively developing myself, but it could also be like I'm proactively um, documenting this process because we don't have it documented or there's this you know, I think this thing might become an issue and I'm going to be proactive about it and make sure it doesn't become a problem. Right. So it's really around something that you've initiated yourself and it's focused on something in the future to make um, some sort of improvement. Awesome. So you're taking control of something with the uh, intention to make it better. Exactly. And proactivity is associated with a lot of good things like better job performance, more career success, more innovation. So it's really good in a lot of ways, but there's less research around the potential personal costs to doing things in this proactive way. And so this study, they were, they were theorizing that, you know, if you're behaving proactively, it can take a lot of your resources, you're exerting a lot of energy and effort and time into this proactive behavior. Um, So that can be draining. It also sometimes if you're trying to be proactive, it can be met by resistance. Like maybe you have a really good idea that you think is going to help the company or help be more, you know, help with efficiency or something like that. Like people on the team might not be as excited about it. They might be more resistant. People don't like change. Um, And we also know there's one study that they called out that was published in 2017 that found that proactivity can actually cause some personal stress. So they saw that 
you know, if you were proactive that day, your cortisol levels would go up. So mm. clearly there's some relationship to stress as well. So they wanted to dive into that deeper in this specific study. Gotcha. So generally we think proactivity, good stuff, but there's some indication that there could be some potential downsides that we should probably look at instead of just being like, the more proactive, the better. You should probably be understanding that there could be potential consequences to just continuing to be proactive all the time. Exactly. So when they were looking at proactivity, they wanted to look at a couple of different things. Mostly they wanted to see, is being proactive related to draining your resources? And does that then lead to you having a hard time detaching from your work? Um, Mm. And then how that impacts recovery. So like next day, do you feel more recovered or less recovered? Okay. And did they, um, this is just a question that I have, because I would like imagine if you're more proactive, it probably means you have more responsibilities. Like you just have more tasks to do. Um, Is that part of it that they think is that like, if there, if it is the fact that sometimes it can be draining or that they think it might be draining sometimes, is it because you're like in charge or is it because you have more stuff to do? Or is it like, the responsibility of leading like mentally or is it like just the idea that like I have all these tasks to get done that people generally assign more tasks to the person leading does that make sense yeah it does make sense and what they basically what they said and uh what they ultimately found is they they did control for workload and Mm. there was an impact right so if you're more likely and they specifically in terms of proactive behavior they're measuring taking charge so we'll talk about that in a second but They did see that if you were taking charge, you also tended to have a higher workload, which Mm -hmm. to your point makes a lot of sense. So they controlled for that as best as they could to try to eliminate some of that noise. They also focused their study just on managers. So trying to have people that are similar level of Mm -hmm. responsibility. So it's not, um, you know, an individual contributor where maybe they won't be likely to take charge not someone super senior where they always have to take charge but someone at that management level where they yeah are likely to take charge but probably have similar levels of responsibilities everybody else in this group yeah that makes sense okay cool so it's not just about while there's a relationship to working to having more to do it's not just about that there's also something about being in charge which uh you said you're going to talk a little bit more about the idea of taking charge so maybe Uh, that's where that piece comes in. Yeah, exactly. So they also, I just want to call out really quickly that they also wanted to measure this concept of autonomous motivation. So that's like the big thing in this whole study. So autonomous motivation basically refers to behavior that you decide to do on your own. So it kind of, it actually kind of feels confounded with the idea of taking charge, right? Because you are choosing to initiate this behavior But Mm -hmm. it really only happens when an employee or somebody's engaged in the activity for the sake of their own personal interest or enjoyment. So it's about, I am taking initiative on, I don't know, building this process because I really like this process or I really enjoy um, working, you know, in this specific area or I want to develop myself in how to build processes. So Mm -hmm. there's like some personal motivation behind your behavior versus something like an example I could think of is maybe I'm taking charge because um, something's broken and I just have to fix it 
because it's stupid. It's not working. No one else is doing it. I'm just going to fix it. Right, right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. So you're so this specific form of um, being proactive is really about you pursuing something that you find kind of intrinsically interesting or motivating. It's not about you uh, kind of just picking up someone's slack or something like that. Well, it's actually two different concepts. So there's the concept of you taking charge and then the motivation behind it. So they measured okay. those as two different concepts and seeing oh, if gotcha. your motivation, um, basically checking to see like if you take charge and you're highly in, like motivated from a personal perspective, so this autonomous motivation, are you more likely to have drained resources than maybe if you're not motivated in that way? So okay, gotcha. They're two gotcha. separate concepts. Does that help? Okay. Yep. Yeah. So the so they're separating the behavior and the intention, mm-hmm. and your intention can either be that you're intrinsically motivated or you're not. Exactly. So okay, I can cool. give you some of the questions that they asked, and I think that will help. Um, yeah. So basically, what they did is they had this daily diary study. As I said, that they were managers. They were all Australian, uh, and they first did like one stage of the study where they just did a online survey collecting some demographic information details about the jobs they can workload things like that so they can try to control from some for some of those issues then they had people do three daily surveys for a minimum of five consecutive working days and so the way the surveys were structured they had a morning end of work day and then end of day or like an hour before bed evening survey so Mm -hmm. those are the three surveys the End of work day is kind of the beginning, if you will. The morning survey is the end. So I'm going to start with end of work mm-hmm. day. So end of work day, they ask about your daily taking charge behavior. So they ask you um, to agree on some statements. And today I tried to bring about improved procedures in my workplace. And today I tried to institute work methods that are more effective. Mm-hmm. So okay, taking charge in these two types of ways, right? Really focusing on making some changes or improvements. Okay. That makes sense. Then they asked that autonomous motivation. So they asked people, you know, whether or not what they were doing was enjoyable or something that was important to them personally. So the questions were today I worked hard because the tasks I did were enjoyable. And today I put effort into my work because I considered it personally important. Hmm. Okay. That sounds good. So uh, it's both it's that intrinsic idea. It's important to me. And also I like doing it. Exactly. So you can kind of see how those two things are separated. It's like, I've done these things to make some improvements at work. And then I liked my work today. I thought of things were enjoyable. It was important or maybe I didn't. Right. So that motivation there is a little different. That makes sense. Okay, cool. Then at night before people went to bed, they then were asked about resource drain. So Things like today on the job, I had so much work to do that it took away from my personal interests. Today, right after work, I felt too tired to do some of the things I would have liked to do here at home. Today, my work has taken up time that I would like to spend with family and friends. Okay. So some exhaustion-related pieces. Mm-hmm. And then the psychological detachment measure there, they asked um, questions around like this evening, I did not think about work at all. This evening, I gained distance from my job requirements. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So really kind of that, like, almost like some of what we talk about around recovery, like really just detaching and disconnecting. Exactly. And then the next morning, they asked them, how recovered do you feel from yesterday's work? 
And then they could respond on a scale of right one to five, not recovered at all, to extremely recovered. Cool. Okay. That sounds good. Yeah. So pretty straightforward. They're asking questions throughout the day. And what they're finding is that on days where employees reported low levels of autonomous motivation. So they felt like what they did was not enjoyable. They did not find it personally important. Then if they took charge, they actually were more likely to say that they were drained. They had that resource drain at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, that makes sense. Yeah, but if they had the motive if they had that autonomous motivation, so in other words, if they really liked what they were doing during the day, they thought it was important, then taking charge was not related to resource drain. So it's basically like if you are taking charge and you feel like what you're doing is important throughout the day, that you're really motivated in your job, then taking charge is fine. It doesn't really hurt you at all that we found here. But if you're taking charge is because you're trying to fix problems, but you don't love what you're doing, you're not finding it important personally, then you're going to feel drained by the end of the day. Yeah, that makes sense. And then when people went into the next morning, did they feel less recovered when they were going into work the next day in the same pattern? So what they found was it was kind of a they found like a lagged effect that if they Mm -hmm. didn't feel detached at the end of the day, um, then they were less likely to feel recovered or if they felt like they detached, they were more likely to feel recovered. So it's kind of the next step. Right. Because then they found that if you took charge and you were not motivated personally by what you were doing and you felt that drain in your resources then you were not detaching at night and thus you were not recovering so it's kind Mm -hmm. of like a long multiple steps here but yeah that makes sense so it also has a personal impact for you going into the next work day if you are doing things because you're autonomously motivated versus not because you will feel not only at the end of the day, you won't have been able to detach, but you're also going to feel less recovered. Um, so there's some personal outcomes. Exactly. Yes. So you've had a kind of a, you basically have a crappy evening and then you wake up and you don't feel that much better. So that makes it, sense. Yeah. It ruins, it ruins your next day a bit too. So I think, so that, that's kind of the, the gist of it. Like I've, you know, try to simplify it there's a lot of multi-level analyses that were done here etc but I think that's a basic takeaway that we can um, really focus on and for me as I'm reading all of this the takeaways are think about when you're taking charge so to your point Katina when you're talking about ourselves and just generally often taking the lead in whatever we're doing we may want to be more thoughtful about when we're doing that And Mm -hmm. if it's we're volunteering to just take the lead or, you know, address problems that we see, but we don't really love that work or we're not that interested in fixing that problem or there's no personal importance to it, we should probably let someone else take over. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that a lot of times um, I think this is like a good reminder because I definitely don't um, volunteer for things that I feel I'm not skilled at. So if I think that there's someone in the room, which happens frequently, who's more skilled at something than me, I'll let them take the lead. But I don't, if I feel I'm skilled or equally skilled to someone else in the room, 
at something, I usually don't take into account how important I think it is before I would be, I would think of myself as being more or less likely to be the person that would take charge. I would think like, well, I'm just as skilled as anybody else. So I should probably be nice and take charge of this or I should, you know, like, or Mm -hmm. I know there's such a thing as proactive personality. And as I was saying before, I think both of us have that. Um, So you might just think like, well, you know, I don't mind being in charge of things. So maybe no one else wants to be in charge. So I'll just be in charge. But like, I feel like I definitely think about how skilled I am at something, but I don't think about how enjoyable I find it or important I find it. And that's probably uh, a good factor for me to take into account for me. Whereas the part of whether or not it's skilled is like, okay, well, other people are not going to benefit if I'm in charge of this because it's not going to turn out well. But I'm not really thinking about myself in the process of like, but do I actually at the end of the day want to be leading these things? Exactly. I think we need to be better about that. And I'm the same way as you. I can think of so many times when I, you know, was at work and we're in a team meeting and my boss would ask a question and say, hey, does someone want to volunteer for this? If there's like a pause and I know I can do it, I'm just like, I'll do it. Even right. if I don't want to do it, like even if right. I don't love it, even if I'm not obsessed yep. with that idea. And I think there's obviously benefits, right? Because they talk about how being proactive can lead to more career success. So obviously, if mm-hmm. you're continually volunteering for things and you're doing them well, that can help you as you grow in your career. So I think there's something to be said about that. But I think you either have to frame it that I'm volunteering for this because it's really important for me to get that next promotion and therefore this task is important, that can help you feel better, right? Not have that resource drain because you now have made this task important to you. But if it's not important to you and you don't think it's really going to do that much to help you with your career, then be okay with stepping back and not taking charge. Don't do tasks that are outside of your basic job description that you don't like for no reason, right? What are the benefits to you? And make sure you think about that before you step up so that you don't get into this cycle where you're taking charge for things you don't love. You feel drained at the end of the day because of that. You can't detach. You're focusing on work too much. And the next day you don't feel recovered. So then you just keep doing this and then you'll lead to burnout. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And and I'm also thinking about managers because You know, I remember um, somebody at some point, I don't remember who it was, um, but it was when we were in grad school, maybe it was a faculty member or somebody, but they would say like, always ask a busy person to do something because they'll get it done quicker and better than a person who's not busy. And I always thought about that and thought like, yeah, but when you're the busy person, then that everybody then is coming to with requests, that can be really overwhelming. And so I'm also thinking about from a manager perspective, like, if you're just asking the same person over and over again to take control or you're assuming that the same person is going to be proactive and um, be in charge of something, don't just think about it from the perspective of like, oh, this person's going to get it done or they're going to get it done well. But also think about what you're doing to that person from a burnout perspective and who else might legitimately be able to get the task done just as well or almost just as well that you don't usually ask, but you're not just falling back on the same person over and over again because you get into that pattern where now you're asking them or expecting that they're going to be doing a whole bunch of things that it's not actually really in their wheelhouse or what they want to be doing. I think that's really important. And I've been lucky because I have had managers that have actually said, hey, Patricia, you don't need to do this one. (laughs) So I think that's really helpful. So pay attention. And 
know your employees, right? There's a good chance that the person that is being really proactive and taking charge, they're probably like us, right? Very proactive people, potentially very ambitious. And so maybe they just keep volunteering because they think that's good for them. But it might not actually be good for them, right? They might be draining their resources. They might start burning out. So look out for that and just say, hey, do you actually like this? Is this what you want to do? Or do you think that's going to be helpful for you from a career perspective? And sit them down and talk about like why certain tasks may actually not need to be them taking charge. And that doesn't mean it's going to hurt their career trajectory. So I think having those conversations are important. Plus just keeping an eye on who keeps volunteering and kind of gauging what you know their interests are and if they're volunteering for things that you know they don't like kind of figure out why are they just stepping up because no one else is is there any way that you can alleviate that and maybe assign it to somebody else if people aren't volunteering maybe assign some of that work and uh and then when it comes to like being proactive from uh you know you see a problem perspective like I think it's fine to flag hey this I think we can make this process better in these ways but that doesn't mean you have to then do it, right? You can right. bring that to a team and say, this is a project idea I have because I saw this problem. So you're still being proactive and addressing things that you see as potential for improvement, but not having to actually own it and run with it, especially if you're not excited about it, is, is fine. Bring up the idea and hand it off to someone else that might actually be excited about it. Yeah, a thousand percent. I think that's a really, really good point. And I think, you know... All around, if you're the person that's volunteering, really think hard about what's driving that and try to, you know, put yourself out there for things that you really find enjoyable. But also, if you're in charge of assigning work to others, also think about what they find enjoyable. That might mean having a conversation with them and getting to know them better about what their interests actually are. And recognize that you may be overlooking people who might not be the person that always takes charge, but may have skills or interests that align well with uh, what you need to get done. You can spread the work out a little bit more evenly, assign things based on interest as opposed to just like who raises their hand. And that might help everybody to have a little bit more of a breather and also help to make sure that people are, you know, autonomously motivated throughout the day as opposed to just doing things because they feel like they should or they have to. But that's never actually been explicitly discussed. Exactly. I'm almost thinking too, like if you have these ideas, I'm just kind of still on that train of thought that I had where if you have an idea for improvement a process and you want to be proactive about it, but you don't want to actually do the work yourself, like maybe having some sort of venue where people can put these ideas and thoughts can be yeah. really helpful. So like leaders can create like, I don't know, a shared doc where you can put in some ideas between meetings and every week when you have a team meeting or something like that, you can pull it up and say, oh, look, here's some great ideas. Um, Patricia, thanks for that idea, but it looks like uh, you don't necessarily want to take it on. Hey, Katina, what do you think? Do you want to take it? Right. So, you know, right. so you can yeah. create a process for proactivity to then make sure that people that are proactive and have a lot of good ideas, those ideas aren't lost, but they're not having to do it all. Right. Because I think that's what people sometimes think, because I do think that that is sometimes just uh, an unconscious assumption is like, oh, you said that you think this is an issue. So if someone's going to fix it, it should be you because you care about it. And then either people will just hold in their ideas because they don't want to be responsible for it. And then you never hear them or people, you know, end up doing something that like, yeah, it was an issue, but I didn't necessarily have to be the person doing it. So I think that's a really good idea to capture to facilitate communication but also not make people feel like oh I don't want to flag this up because I'm afraid I'll get asked to do it it's just like uh 
in grad school when you won like the award for citizenship for like being a good citizen your job was then to like coordinate the award for the next person to win yeah. the citizen award it was like a punishment um so yeah I think that there's there are things like that where proactivity can end up being um you know viewed as associated with negative consequences and maybe you're decreasing people stepping up at all or whatever the case may be because they're too burnt out after all this time so I think these are really good points and I never really thought about uh, some of these downsides. So I think this is helping me think through this as well. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was very useful. It felt very relevant to me and hopefully relevant to some of our listeners. And I have to just comment on what you said about the award. So for all of our listeners, there's an award in our grad program. We're basically the most proactive people that do like all sorts of things for the program, get an award. Um, but then, like Atina said, have to then plan it for the next person that gets it the next year. <laughs> but it's also really funny because we both had we both got it. So I guess <laughs> we pinned ourselves yeah. right there. Here's We're our proactivity. We both We're have right. won this award. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> when did you did you win right before me? Did you coordinate mine? I don't remember. I don't remember what year I. I don't remember what year anything happened to me in my entire life. <laughs> I just remember <laughs> that I coordinated Lily winning it the next year yeah. after me. So for some I reason, know. I feel like yours was the one right before me, but I can't remember. Off it the could top have of my head. been. I don't remember either. I, I have, remembered that we both won, but I didn't remember when. Yeah, I have my award somewhere in my office. I could find it and I could tell you the year and we could figure it out. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I have mine somewhere too, but the Nittany Lion's tail fell off. Oh, no. So I don't hang it up anymore because his tail is it's broken. That's so sad. I'm sorry. Yeah, so it's somewhere, but it's not hanging because it's an eyesore. <laughs> you can't have a broken tail lion on your wall. You should, you should go back to the program and be like, look, my ward's broken. Get me a new one, please. <laughs> I need this replaced. <laughs> this is a lifetime warranty, right? <laughs> Uh, anyway, well, yes, that's really funny, actually, because uh, it goes full circle to what we said in the beginning, that we think this is a good article for us. So <laughs> yeah. we're right. Yep. We are uh, definitely guilty of sometimes taking <laughs> charge when maybe we shouldn't be. So yes. And hopefully others have learned as well in this conversation and will be a little bit more intentional about what things they take on so that they don't drain themselves and struggle with detachment recovery. So Hopefully it's helpful. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, for all of our listeners, thank you for listening. Um, if you love this show, if this was helpful to you, um, if you know people like us who just take charge too often, please share this with them. Help them out. Subscribe and review our show so other people can find us. And also contact us. We'd love to hear from our listeners. We'd love to hear your stories. Canadians, if I got your holidays wrong, um, whatever it is, please feel free to reach out. You can email us at contact at workerbeing.com. You can find us on our website, workerbeing.com, and on social media at workerbeing on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Thanks for listening. The Worker Being Podcast is hosted by us, Patricia Grabar and Katina Sawyer, and produced by Allie Johnson. Oh.